0: I know I I said that prematurely in an email a couple weeks ago, and I don't know if I have earned your trust back since then. But you can go ahead and get your Bibles, your devices, open to James 5, which of course is the last chapter in James. And we're going to be starting in 13. I hear a few rustling pages. Is everybody else on a device? Is that how that works? Got gotcha. you. I got both today. I, I'm reading the paper one to begin with and then going to my notes here. Uh, Lord, we come before your word humbly to be taught and instructed. We do not come thinking we know it all and looking for things to back up what we think we know. We are here to, to be instructed, even corrected. We're here to be encouraged. Um, we want to be good disciples. We want to be effective disciples and Lord, you're teaching us through your word. Would you open our ears to hear it and our heart to receive it? In Jesus' name, amen. James 5, 13. We're going to take it all the way to the end, verse 20. Here we go. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. Nice guy. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Lord, bless your word as we study today. So the book of James, you know, is is a letter written from James, probably a collection of his teachings over the years maybe even compiled by somebody else that he said, hey, you're better at Greek than me. Would you, uh, would you put this together for me and send it out? Could have been, could have been. But these are all things from James, who is the half-brother of Jesus. He's writing to the, the churches and the believers that have been scattered abroad because of persecution in Jerusalem. This was intended for all the churches, uh, all believers, not a specific city, though he was probably familiar with some of those cities and churches. It was written in Greek and follows the format of a Greek letter. It was structured in a particular way with several parts. Even within its conclusion, it still references those Greek parts, those Greek formalities in the way that one would write a letter in the ancient Greek language. There was, in this conclusion, which we're in now, there's a summary of the content of the letter. There's an oath verifying that this content was true. There's a a health wish uh, for the well-being of the reader and recipient. And finally, a statement about why the letter has been written. These were all things that were just part of how you wrote a letter in Greek. So this is the conclusion of the letter that James is sending. And he's writing to the believers. And, and here we come to this conclusion. Uh, in chapter 5, verses 7 and 11 become the summary of everything. He's talking about having patient endurance. And we, boy, that was absolutely your favorite message, right? Was praying for patience. I knew, I knew it. I knew it was. And so that's why I could say that. And then, and then after that, verse 12, uh, he speaks instead of swearing an oath to, uh, to verify that this is true material that he's giving them, he says that we shouldn't need oaths, we shouldn't need to swear, but rather a believer should be, um, should be known for the truth that they speak and that their yes be yes and their no be no. And now we're to verse 13 through 18 here, and that is um, where it would traditionally be a health wish. A, a wish for your well-being. Um, in another in another book, it's it said, uh, "May your so, may your may you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers." That was something along the same lines. But instead of wishing for their health, James kind of one-ups it and says and, and reminds them of the provision that God has made for their healing and how to walk in it beyond just a wish, you know. A nice, a nice sentiment. Geez, I hope you're doing great. James says, we can walk in healing. We can receive healing. God has said that he would give us healing, and here's how you walk in that. Here's how you walk in it. Today's message is titled, The Prayer of Faith. So in verse thirteen, we're just going to kind of walk through this here and get some of the elements of what he's saying. He says, "Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Suffering, of course, is is to endure evils or hardships, to be afflicted, and to uh, on an ongoing basis, not not a one time thing. So if you are suffering, if you're going through a hard time, then There's a prescribed action for you. You should pray. You should pray, you should be talking to God about that. If a believer is going through a difficult time, they should be praying for patience, endurance, strength, wisdom to deal with the thing that they're walking through. If a believer is going through a joyous time, then they should sing songs of praise. Some of you were singing loud today. That was good, that was good. You you feeling it, you feeling it? God is good to you. You're experiencing his blessing, walking in his goodness. But in either case, they're both ways of relating to God. They're both ways of staying in relationship with God. If you're, if you're going through it, you're talking to God. You're asking God for patience, wisdom, and strength. If, if you're experiencing the good life, if, if life is good, then you're thanking God. You're praising him for pouring his blessings out on you. Both are in constant communication with the Lord. And in verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Then he is to call for the elders of the church. They are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So if a believer is weak or in poor health, then they should get a hold of the pastors, leaders, or, or mature believers in their congregation to pray for them for healing, anointing, with oil, it was a sign of submitting to the Holy Spirit. Sick uh, could, in, in this, the word they use for sick is not necessarily like a sickness ending in death kind of thing, but that would certainly apply. It's uh, a word for weak, just a weakness. Um you know, you're just down, you can't get out of bed or or but it could also apply to a spiritual situation or an emotional situation where where you're feeling weak, you don't have the strength that you should have. Call for the elders of the church and have them pray for you. The elders were just those who uh Presided over the assemblies of the church. So, so you know, literally speaking, an elder in this in this setting would be those that make the service happen, right? So, myself and and uh, and Darlene and and Merrick and Corey and and Seth and we're, those would be the the elders in this. But what he's getting at is those who are mature in the faith. Another another part of the New Testament says that that. Um, you should all be preaching the word. You should all be speaking. And, and so as we grow, as we mature, then we all be, uh, we are becoming elders in the faith. So those who are mature, who carry the faith to pray, who know what God uh, would do in that situation. Oil was a symbol of yielding to the Holy Spirit, but but it was also a, a physical experience to go with a prayer. Jesus taught his disciples to do this, and there's various schools of thought on on what exactly this was for. Uh, It's pretty clear that the oil that they were using for anointing was not a medical remedy. They were not trying to heal somebody um, you could use oil in that way, depending on the wound, depending on the sickness, but that's not what they were doing. Um, Jesus taught them to anoint with oil and, and pray with them. They would probably uh, put some on their head or, or on their forehead. Now our, our tradition is to you know put some on your finger and do the, do a cross on your forehead, and then as soon as we're done praying, you go wipe it off because you don't want pimples afterwards, right? That's what... I said it, I said it, all right, I know. You, I know as soon as you get anointed you're thinking that and then you just gotta try to put it out of your mind for the rest of the prayer, anyways, all right. But it was an, a physical experience and, and something that, that would remind you that not only was the prayer heard, you, you didn't just hear it with your ears but you experienced it. And it was also a mark of the Holy Spirit. Uh, oil represented the Holy Spirit. Think back to the Old Testament when uh, they would anoint a king or anoint a prophet or a priest. That, that was a serious anointing. That was a lot of oil. That was just like, you know, pour it, pour it over in volume. Right? And they would probably weren't doing that in this case because that would be a lot of oil. They were praying for a lot of sick people. But oil represented the Holy Spirit and allowing it to be on you meant that you were submitting to the Holy Spirit. The prayer offered in faith, verse 15, the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. The prayer offered in faith, the prayer that is offered to God in full trust of who he is, Faith is, is, un, is putting my trust completely in him. Faith is relying on him completely and not being pushed away from who he is. The prayer offered in faith. We know who God is, we know what he is like, and we know he wants to heal. So there is faith in the prayer. God will, he will, he will be restored Says the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. Restore is just simply to, to make well, to heal, to, to bring back to health. When you have heard from God and you believe Him, this is faith, your prayer will be effective. And then in this moment, it says, if you have sin that is causing the sickness or a condition, God can deal with that too. He's not going to be limited in the way that he deals with, with the sickness. Verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So you want to take those sins that are in your heart, and confess them to each other so that you can pray for each other. You want to pray for each other. This is in that context of having the elders or or mature believers with you in that moment, praying for your healing. Uh, if If there is something in you that is causing the sickness or causing the weakness right because this isn't just limited to a physical sickness if there's something in you that is causing you trouble that is holding you back that is keeping you from being the mature believer that that you ought to be then you call for prayer and you confess the sins that are that are acquainted with that god will forgive those sins and he will restore your strength your sp- and and restore you spiritually and physically Remember that you are, so here's here, this verse or this part of the verse we've all heard a lot, especially in the King James Version, right? All right, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. I just from memory, I think I can even do King James, Linda. I think I can do that. I think, I think the effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much, is that right? Fervent, Fervent prayer, Okay. All right, we got a couple key words in that phrase. Whether it's King James or an or an or, or or whatever, righteous man. Boy, you don't always feel righteous, do you? Especially coming into prayer for healing. <laughs> well, obviously, <laughs> I'm sick and I, you know, weak. Not not feeling super righteous right now which is partly why you call for help, call for backup. But we do need to remember that we are righteous in Christ Jesus. In fact, Scripture says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because he has covered your sin, because he has removed the penalty and the weight of that from you, and you have put your faith in him, you are considered righteous. This isn't a new concept. This goes all the way back to Abraham. Abraham was made righteous. He was considered righteous when he believed God, when he put his trust and his faith in God. Righteousness is not always about your actions, now, you want to be righteous in your actions, but the righteousness here is a positional righteousness. You are positionally righteous before God because you are covered by Jesus' blood. Then we deal with your actions and your behavior, and, and that'll be a lifelong process. But you are righteous. So the, the scripture says, the Prayer of, a, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Well, how about effective prayer? All right, you gotta pray a certain way. There gotta be a formula. You know, the effective prayer. I don't wanna be ineffective in prayer. I wanna, wanna be effective. I wanna, wanna pray, you know. Effective means the work associated with it. In other words, the action of praying. If I was to put it in very, very simple language, it would be do it. Pray, spend the time and the energy and pray that's, that's what effectual or effective means. it's, it's the, the work involved in doing it. You want to do it it's not a thought it's not a, a, you know wishful thinking it's dedicated time and effort to prayer. Effective prayer, the prayer that is done intent. Um, intentively, intentionally, and intensely. That is also in there. Of somebody who is righteous, which is us because we're in Christ, can accomplish much. Things will get done. And then in verse 17, James gives us an example. One of my favorite people in the Old Testament, Elijah. Elijah was a wild man. I mean, that, That guy had guts. And so he says here, but he was a normal dude. He was a normal dude. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years. I wish this guy would have been around last November when we were working on that septic system. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So James says, look to Elijah for an example. He was subject to the same passions as us, but he was close to God, and he understood that God would partner with humans to accomplish his will. I'm going to say that again. He was, Elijah was close to God and understood that God would partner with humans to accomplish his will. So he prayed intensely and contended for that which God showed him. And the rains were held back, drought and famine ensued. Then God said, uh, when God said so, he prayed again just as intensely for the rain to return and the rains return. The the word earnestly, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. That, That essentially means intensely. Like he was... In it Now why would you, why would you do that if God said that's what He was going to do? I'm going to read over 19 and 20 real quick, and then we'll get, we're, we're going to backtrack and get into that one, 17 and 18. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth, that means a believer walks away from, from the truth. And one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his, of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. We're to look out for each other. This is really the purpose of the book and all the instruction that, that's that contained in the book of James in this letter. It's to keep people uh, in the way. Good, solid instruction for being a disciple and, and and the means to correct somebody if they start wandering, right? And that's that's part of what we do for each other. We're to look out for each other. We're to help each other stay true to Jesus. And when you bring correction, a correction to your brother or sister and they respond and repent, you have rescued them from the destruction of their own path. That's the, the point of the book of James. Let's get back to Elijah, because I like talking about Elijah, and you like hearing about Elijah. So, so James gives us this example in the context of how to pray. How to pray. He says the the effective prayer of a righteous man will accomplish much or can accomplish much. And then he talks about Elijah. So Elijah, in this setting, this, this thing that he's referencing, he the king of Israel was a, a really bad dude, made some really um, unwise decisions, as had his father's. And now Ahab was his name. He's, he's pursuing false gods and idols and, and all of the things that go with that, all of the immorality and, and idolatry. And so God tells Elijah, go talk to him and tell him that it's not, it's not gonna rain for a long time, not until I say so. So Elijah went and did it, and uh, believe me, he was not looking to win a popularity contest by, by this action. He said that, and he got the heck out of Dodge, and, and we find out later that the king was hunting for him for those three years to kill him. Of course he was, right? So Elijah does this, but it says that, that Elijah heard from God, he spoke the word, and then he prayed, and the rain stopped. There was no rain. He prayed after he heard from God and the rain stopped. It was his business to hear from God and to let people know what God said. That's who he was. He was a prophet, that was his literal profession. I don't know how much money he made at it, but that was his job, that was his calling. James says he was a normal man. He was subject to the same human nature and passions just like us. In fact, we, we do know that Elijah went through some really scary and trying times. There was fear for his life. That was not an unusual experience for him. But he followed God and he prayed consistently through the victories and, and the hard times. Elijah had a capacity to hear the word of the Lord. And this came by two means. One, he was anointed as a prophet. He was anointed as a prophet. And in the Old Testament, there was a specific anointing uh, for the prophet of God, same as there would be for the king. Um, You remember Samuel anointing David, and before that he anointed Saul. And Samuel also anointed kings for other countries. But a priest, a prophet, or a king, sometimes a judge, would be anointed anointed. And it was a symbol of the Holy Spirit, but, but actually the scripture says that the Spirit of the Lord came on them. He was on them. The Holy Spirit was on them for that task, for that purpose, to fill that role. Elijah, operating in this anointing, had a capacity to hear the voice of the Lord. He heard that voice for the good of the, the country and, and other people too. He would bring words to the king and leaders regarding what the Lord would say to them. That's what gave him the ability to hear was that anointing. But the second part of why he could hear God was he made it his purpose in life to hear God. He was in constant prayer and communication with the Lord. So when God spoke to him about something, it wasn't... Really unusual. He was already in a place all the time to hear a word from God. That was his deal. That was his gig. So so if this is the example that James is putting out there, and he says, we should pray like this, it it would uh, it would be really unfortunate if we didn't have the same resources that Elijah had. Right? That wouldn't be fair. Right? Hey, pray like Elijah. He was awesome. And and you don't have the same resources, but you should strive to be like Elijah. You should really, you should try that and work towards that. But we have something even better than Elijah had. Because though Elijah was anointed on the outside and the Holy Spirit was on him. At Pentecost, we received the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit was given, just like Jesus said that that he would be given, and we we have the option, as we believe in Christ, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So on the inside, you don't have an anointing on the outside, you have the Holy Spirit in you if you are a believer in Christ. So, that same access to the voice of God, the same ability to hear is in you, because God is in you, quite literally, as the scripture says. So you have that capacity. Now the the other part of that is the time spent in prayer. See, Elijah spent a lot of time listening to God, praying to God, even complaining to God, right? but it was a lot of dialogue. And so that would be the other part of how you hear from God and how you um, can pray an effective prayer. You have the anointing in you, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and then you can spend the time, you can make the effort to to hear from God, to be in communication with him. I asked this question, uh, Kind of a rhetorical question a little bit ago. Why would Elijah pray so earnestly for something after God told him he was going to do it? This is kind of one of the mysteries of of how God interacts with us. We don't really know why, but God has decided that he will work with us and through us to accomplish his work, to build his kingdom as a human, I think that's not smart. I think, (laughs) I think that if I was God, I would just do it right and not trust other people who are guaranteed to mess it up. Guaranteed. Have you ever done anything for the Lord and not messed it up? No, me either. Me either. Okay. But here we are in this relationship with the creator who, is, who has made us for, for relationship with him, and because of that relationship, he wants to work with us to do something, to accomplish his will, to build his kingdom, to, to get the rest of humanity on board with who he is and what he has done for us. He wants to work with us. He wants to work with us. And so he, I don't know why, he waits for us to partner with him many, many times. Even, even with the, uh, the Supreme Court decision and all that, God did not just announce to somebody that he was gonna do it and then he did it. He definitely was speaking to many of the, in the prophetic community and to believers who were contending for, for life. And what did they do? Man, They prayed. They prayed, they contended, they pushed for the thing that God said he was going to do. In the old days, as revival evangelists would travel the country and the world, many of them sent ahead of them advance teams. They had already decided that they were coming to such and such a city, and they were going to have meetings and the expectation was that people would get saved. God had sanctioned it. They, they were following the Lord in this, but they sent an advance team to that city to pray, sometimes for a long time. And they would pray and they would contend and they would, they would partner with God in the effort to bring people to saving knowledge. They would pray. They would pray earnestly and then the evangelists would come. And then God would answer and many, many people would give their lives to Jesus. Some of you have family members or friends that God told you would be saved. And you prayed for them until they yielded to the Holy Spirit. It didn't happened just because God said it. He told you so that you could partner with him. He told you so that you could be a part of the work that he wanted to do. And in some crazy, mysterious way, it's so much better when it comes through you. I don't, again, you, you heard my preferences. You heard how I would do it, right? But but God works through that relationship that he has with you to do things. I've been teaching a couple of my girls how to mow the lawn. Now granted, conversation is hard when the lawnmower is going, but it is a relational time where we're we're learning how to keep, keep the wheels on track and, and keep that line right here and the margins just right. And, and we're learning how to turn it around and then pull back before you, you know, so you don't miss spots and, and all that. We're learning all this. And believe me, you don't get that in the first shot. But yeah, they're both sitting in here right now. <laughs> the two that are big enough to push the mower. <laughs> it's a, um, but it's a relational thing. We're doing something together. Yes, I could do it by myself and maybe the lines would be straighter. But that's not the point, right? God, in a, in a similar way, wants to work with us because of the relationship and because when it comes through the relationship, it is so much better. It is so much better. I, I just... This, this is a truth and a part of this, but I, I just feel like, oh my goodness, there's so much more to understand about this. There's so much, so much we don't get in this. Seth, I'll have you join me up here. We know, as we're in relationship with God, we know that he wants to heal. We know that he wants to restore. That his plan is to renew our strength. And yet, we are to partner with him in seeing that happen. We are to be living each part of our life in relationship. Back to verse 13, is anybody suffering? Are you miserable? In the miserable parts where we're suffering through it, we pray and ask God for strength and patience. We're in that relationship. We're in it. In the happy parts, we sing our praises and our thanksgiving to God for the blessings that he pours out. We're in it. We're in that relationship with him. It just looks a little bit different. And when we are sick or weak in any way, we pray for healing and strength in the context of that relationship. Elijah didn't just come and and do, do something crazy outside of the context of that relationship. It was just something in the flow. The Lord had already told him this was what was happening and he just did that. But it wasn't out of the ordinary for him to hear that. He was already in that relationship with God. These practical things of being in relationship with him in the good times, the bad times, keeping the conversation alive, hearing from him on a regular basis, spending time in his word, these indicate that we are walking with God. We are believing in him and trusting in who he is, and that's faith. And this is the faith that saves you. This is the faith that makes you righteous, just like it did Abraham. And James says the effective prayer of that righteous believer will accomplish much anything can happen anything can happen because now we've gone past your ability to get something done and you've partnered with the God of the universe who can do anything Jesus says nothing is impossible conversely he says all things are possible that's what he says (laughs) So, where are you at today? Are you miserable and in a very trying time? Have you been in that spot for a minute? Are you dealing with a difficult family situation? Are you going through or just on the other side of a divorce? Are you feeling the weight of it all? Maybe you've recently lost a loved one. Are you struggling with depression? Then James says, pray. Ask God for strength, wisdom, patience. For the things that you need to be Christ-like in the middle of a trial, keep talking to him. Keep talking to him. Even when you're miserable. Are you in a happy place and life is good? Then praise God all the louder and give him the song of your heart. Express your joy, express your gratitude to him. Are you sick or weak? Cancer, neuropathy, mental health, whatever the condition, you call for the elders of the church. In fact, you don't even have to call anybody today. You could just come up after service, we'll pray. Don't waste time. We're here together today in the the community. We can bring these things to the Lord and the promise is that in the context of relationship, in the righteousness that we're given in Christ as we put the time and the effort into praying and joining God in the conversation and in the effort, he will do things. He will do things. In all things, pursue that relationship with God that you were made for. Do the work, make the effort. That's where the prayer of faith is found. He will meet you there in ways you don't yet know. God can do it, God can do it. With man, things are impossible. With man, the good's never going to happen or you're just you're just lucky if it does. But with God, all things are possible. Maybe, maybe we touched on something today that was something that you're going through. Or even if I didn't say it with words, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and, and maybe you're going through a miserable time right now. Maybe you find yourself sick or weak. And the promise here is that there is hope. There is hope. You don't have to stay that way. In fact, it's not God's plan for you to stay that way. God has promised health. God has promised relationship. And you can be in that relationship and access the promises that he has for you. Let's offer our hearts to the, to the Lord here along with everything in it. Lord, we're so grateful for your word. And Holy Spirit, even as, even as we're contemplating the things here at the end of James, would you speak directly to our hearts where we need it? You always speak to us, encourage and instruct us. Today would you help us apply, what we've just read, or we're just learning. Give us the strength and even the motivation to do what is right, to pursue you in relationship, to put the time and the effort and, and make prayer happen. Not, not, a, not a formula where we have to say all, all the right things, but the relationship, the time and the effort, the effective Prayer of a righteous man. Help us to to grasp that that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And Father, when you look at us, you see your Son, you see holy, you see righteous. Thank you, Lord, that you choose to, to work with us. Broken people, limited creatures and yet you've chosen to work with us and partner with us. We're so grateful for that relationship, Lord. Today, give us the strength to pursue you in relationship. Let our prayers be prayers of faith today. In Jesus' name.